right, everybody. Hello and welcome back to Juice Fresh Talk. My name is Chantel Rhodes. I'm one of your hosts for this evening. I always say that I am the cool one and next to me is the smart one. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Definitely not the cool one. I am Dr. Cindy Banyak, oh, cool. co-host right. here with Chantel Rhodes of Juice Fresh Talk. Talking about hard conversations, current events, and things that are just new. Right. But we are pleased to announce that my big brother, see, he did one episode and y'all was like, oh, we want to see more of Chuck Rhodes. (laughs) And so Chuck has joined us, my big brother, Chuck Rhodes, licensed clinical therapist and my absolute hero. And I'm not just saying that because we have the same mom and the same dad. But go ahead, big brother. Tell the world who you are. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Charlton Rhodes. I try to be cool and smart. Okay. And uh, everything chill. else in between. Chill. Definitely chill. chill. You know, always chill. Glad that you all invited me back. So oh, glad to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for, for blessing us and spending time with us this evening. We have someone else with us. I'm the lucky one. You the lucky yeah. one. The lucky okay. Because <laughs> first of all, I get to hang out with y'all. All right. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. But we'll do that. Other than that, I'm lucky because I get to serve the people of the city of Fort Myers as their mayor. All right. Yeah. So we are joined by Mayor Anderson tonight. I feel like that's an honor to just hit up your mayor and be like, hey, would you join our podcast tonight? Uh, And the mayor agrees to come. That shows you that you're willing to talk to people. You're not. You know how some people get in positions and they're like, peasants. I'm too good for you all. Uh, I I don't think I've heard that about you yet. No, you know, I made a commitment, Chantel, to be to be accessible to be responsive and to be transparent. All right. And, and I've tried to fulfill each one of those very hard. Uh, you know, I fall short some days. And of course, when uh, I do, <laughs> that's that's when it comes That's up. when you catch it, yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. So let me say this though, cause you know, Kevin was running for office same time that I was in 2020 and 2022. He's a Republican, I'm a Democrat. But I'll say, everywhere I went, there he was. It was always out in the town, and I always gave you a lot of credit for that. It's, you know, it's an amazing thing to be out with the people and talking with oh. folks, and you were always on point with that. A- absolutely. And, and let me just say one thing. While, while I am a registered Republican, the position of mayor in the city of Fort Myers is nonpartisan. Hmm. And, and that's the other thing I pride myself in, trying to lead as a nonpartisan and not to let party politics interfere. All right. So cool. So before our little break, you mentioned that the mayoral race is a nonpartisan race. Right. So let's talk about nonpartisan a little bit. Let's talk about what that means. And before we talk about what exactly that means, do you see the city of Fort Myers, the mayoral position, at least and the council positions? Do you see uh, going forward? Do you see it as something that we should incorporate? Should we make it partisan? Oh, no, no, not at all. It should remain nonpartisan. Okay. And, and what that means is you're, you don't run on a particular party. Correct. You don't run as a Democrat, a, a Republican, a liberal, libertarian, none of those. You, you run. So when your name shows up, and I know this because my name was on the ballot, there is no D, there is no R, there'll be nothing next to your name that somebody can automatically choose you just because of those letters behind your name. Do you think it's a good thing, Sandy? 
or a bad thing? Yeah, I do think it's a good thing because that way you are selecting people based on their characteristics, the Absolutely. policies that they're putting forward. So, and I think in the municipal level, you know, right now we're so heated with politics and, but that's actually like the upper levels, right? Yeah. And actually the research shows us that when we're in a smaller area, our community is our home. Right. And we have a lot more in common than we have differences in terms of what we want to see in our local community. That makes a lot of sense. It, it does. And, and I, as I like to put it, um, myself, the city council members, we're not up in Tallahassee, Governor. Mm -hmm. We're not up in Washington, D.C. Right. We're here in Fort Myers. Right. We're in your neighborhoods. We're in your churches, your schools. Our, our kids go to school our together. Podcast. We shop. Yep. We shop in the same grocery right. stores. We're, this is where government is closest to the people. Absolutely. And we have the biggest effect, really, when you think about it. So, Mayor Anderson, what would you say to a person? I'm not going to call any names, but it, a person who says, <laughs> you know, I, I don't really care about this. This government, this election, this politics stuff, I ain't really, this vote, I ain't really into it. What would you say to that person? You should care. You should absolutely care because this is your community. And if you want to participate in making this a good community, you've got to select leaders that will lead and do the right things for the city. So that, that good question. Say, yeah, uh, uh, yeah good from question from you. And <laughs> when you mentioned leadership, that's um, uh, it seems like a vague term because I'm the one out of the group who has never run for office or had a desire to even vote a whole lot, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And leadership can come from different positions in the community. So as mayor, I've just gotten to kind of meet you for a, for a formally introduction today. But what have you uh, what have you been most proud of since you've been elected? That's that's a really good question. Okay. There's a lot of things in in I hate to see proud of to say proud of. I, I guess to sum it up, I've been most proud that I've had the backbone to stand up for what I think is right and make hard decisions even though they That's won't be popular. Okay, That's give me an example of one. Well, I got sworn in on the Monday at, at 4.30 in the afternoon and Tuesday morning at 7.30, I asked the city manager to resign. A lot of people were You didn't upset. waste no time. No, yeah, Wait, that, was, what? that was a big controversy. <laughs> I remember that. It was that. a big deal. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like that and it was nothing personal. It was strictly business. I needed a city manager that I could have confidence in to run the city properly. And in, I took a lot of heat. I had a lot of people call me, try to change my mind, and I stood firm. And was that feedback you got from the community that they were fed up with the city manager? I, got, I also got phone calls <laughs> from people who said, what took you so long? Wow. I mean, that's, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, but, long. you know, it's because people <laughs> had relationships and you know, change is a hard thing for Ooh, a lot of people. Tell Nobody us about change. it. Tell it, us about it. It represents the unknown. Yeah. And most of us are afraid of the unknown. And so, of course, they're thinking, hey, we have this relationship. Mm -hmm. He's going to bring in somebody. He, they're going to turn the apple cart upside down. Nothing will but work. But 
You know what? See, I got to take it there, Mayor Anderson, because you brought up the city manager. Mm-hmm. But I also know, you. I guess you had a backbone because you kept the city manager that you brought in a new city manager that a lot of other people had issues with. So how did you come to, what did you hear about this new city manager and how did you kind of soothe those concerns or did you? Okay. So I, I assume what you're, uh, what you're referring to is um, there were some comments about yeah, that he, he was he had a racist history that he fired a, a black female just because she was black that he was going to put a toxic dump site in the middle of a black community okay well all of that information had been provided in the packet uh, basically the firm we hired gave us uh, out of a hundred and some applicants narrowed it down to ten mm. And uh, we were to narrow it down to four to five, Mm -hmm. which we did. And in those, everybody's background were different bits of information. In his packet were the stories on that. Okay. And I looked into it and he didn't fire the lady. She was fired because she had, she worked in IT and she had gone into some people's emails. Oh, okay. She had been warned. So let me ask you this. Who created the packet? Was it just... The, the background firm oh, gave us, you know, oh, articles. Okay. There okay. were articles on this. As right, far, there were yeah. articles because I remember people, local activists, talking about it. Yeah, and, and so all of a sudden, somebody sees this, which the information was there. They act like it was... they uncovered something nasty mm-hmm. i mean it was kind of nasty that sure it was well especially about dumping in black neighborhoods so it, what that was and again if they had read the articles and done the research what they would have seen was it was not a toxic dump site put in a black neighborhood mm. what it was is an existing site for uh dumping construction materials mm-hmm. They needed more room, and they couldn't get approval for a second site, but they could get approval for expanding that site. Okay, and we'll get into that in a little bit. I just wanted to jump in because I actually have a history with the previous city manager as well through my earlier activist days. I was Saeed, right? So here's a little fun fact. No names. (laughs) Well, you know, no, with my, but he, so when he was the public works director, he was named in a lawsuit that I had against the city for First Amendment right violation Mm. from Occupy Fort Myers. Mm. And because he was in charge of the permitting in the park, they kicked the folks out of the park and then they they rejected our permit when we asked to be permitted. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a violation of the First Amendment because you cannot determine whether or not somebody's permit is valid based on the content of their speech. Who right? would have known that? So yeah, we actually won all the went through. It was like a two-year uh, lawsuit that went all the way through. And yeah, so we won and they changed the law. So two, two things on that. I am a big proponent of the First Amendment. And at a recent, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's very important. And at a, a recent candlelight visual for Tyree Nichols, yep. I said that, isn't it great that mm-hmm. we live in a country where you can gather you can like protest, this right. and protest. Yeah. And, and we've seen important. that. We've seen that in our travels. Uh, I would tell people at any point, on any day, I love these great United States of America. I, I 
find it very frustrating when certain journalists try to paint me as this extreme leftist radical person because I may stand for a cause that unfortunately a lot of people here in America think is such a radical position standing against police brutality and racism however it's not radical it's not radical right so but yeah I can see that but I I wanted to bring it back to you Cindy you just smart for no reason like who would have known that <laughs> but then again you teach government I so. do and actually we were talking about it today in my class um, we did a little bit of American history and I was telling my students how important it is that we have the First Amendment and parts of our Constitution and that it actually goes back to the settlers, the, the colonialists here in the United States, which our government is built off of, mm -hmm. uh, the consent to be governed, mm -hmm. the right to participate in your government. Those are fundamental principles that we've always had. Okay. And I also say we don't always have to agree, but the idea, the right of redress and that protest founded this nation, mm -hmm. which is true. Boston Tea Party was a protest. Absolutely. And the Constitutional Congress was a protest and it moved forward, but it moved like you and I talked about back in the day. It moved from just being a demonstration where we're just mad about something, we're letting our voice be heard mm -hmm. to making changes. Yeah. Demonstration so, to legislation. Right. So you got to move through from just, hey, I'm upset about something, to what are we going to do about it, articulating that, and then working with government, local entities, other organizations yeah. to make the changes you want to see. So I just want to bring up uh, a memory from the past. Okay. You and I went to lunch. We did. Yes. And it was a two-hour lunch. And what did I tell you? What was the gist <laughs> of what I told you? <laughs> well, we, we talked about a lot. And, and one of the things we talked about was the Robert E. Lee bust and how I felt that that Needed to was stay a there. form of, well, not that it was advocating for it staying there, but that it was a form of censorship and it, it was chipping away at the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. in, in First Amendment. And you said, um, well, what if I put a Black Lives Matter mural? Mm -hmm. And I was very honest with you and I said, Look, I have an issue with the organization itself. Absolutely. But not the concept. But not the, the slogan that Black Lives right. Matter. And right. you said, all right, so we'll put a little asterisk with the concept, not the organization. Right, exactly. <laughs> I because, because I mean, if we're being fair. So, right, yeah. that, that's well, a good point. But speaking of mural, my brother and I, we're going to get to that. Well, can, can I finish? See, I'm interrupting even now. Go <laughs> no. ahead. This is a lot so, of so, No, because... You know, I was making the argument for the First Amendment. Right. And yet I was saying, oh, I can't see this mural because of the organization. Right. And if you remember, two days later, I called you mm -hmm. and I said, Chantel, I've been thinking about our conversation. And if I can make the argument for the First Amendment for that Robert E. Lee bust, mm -hmm. then I better be able to make that same argument yeah. for the Black Lives Matter mural. Yeah. Because as you mentioned, it's not the content, it's the right to say it. And I'm glad you said that because I sent you a text message. The NFL put in racism. I forgot what team it was. Maybe it was San Francisco. Every, every team has it. They had in racism in big, and I sent you that screenshot. And I, know, I remember at the time when we were talking about, since we we're talking about protesting when 
there, w- there was a lot of conversation about taking a knee during the national anthem. And I remember calling my brother and he was so frustrated that politics had squirmed its way into his heaven, <laughs> into his heaven called sports. Yes. So tell yeah. us. Tell us about so, that. Yeah. Colin Kaepernick, he was a great quarterback at one point. Very successful Super Bowl quarterback. Right. He didn't win it. But uh, shortly after his, I think maybe some injuries, but his career started to decline. And the first time I heard about him getting attention with the knee, I immediately thought, I was like, oh, my gosh, he's just trying to get attention. And I'm like, yes, do it. Since his career is going down, and I just didn't want to have to think about real world issues That's during my four hours of peace and joy and, I was and like uncertainty interrupted, of sports. Interrupted all. And I was like, like what is wrong with this quarterback that just can't get back to the starting lineup and all of a sudden you know, it started just sweeping the nation where every sport, every athlete. It was every school, conversation. And then, uh, you know, it was, you know, it, it started to gain momentum as more Issues started to arise, so and it I brought to things to the forefront. Mm-hmm. It, it and that, that is yes. the purpose of it, because if you don't, it's like protest is like that baby crying. You got to go. You can't. You're not gonna chill and watch TV and and eat your snack business as usual, as if baby is not right there hollering and screaming. And so I love protests for that very reason. A lot of people try to crap on protests and say, "Oh, you're just making noise. You're not making change. You're just wanting to be seen." However, screaming and making that noise and saying, hey, can you give attention to this matter? I mean, I'm I, so glad it entered into the world of sports. It's just a shame that in some areas it progressed to the point where buildings were burned and lives were lost. Oh, definitely. Well, that's different. That's a different term. Yeah. That's rioting. Property destruction was part of the Boston Tea Party. And it's just saying. And when we talk about... <laughs> but, Doesn't make it right. Look, <laughs> but, but let me tell you, and I'll tell people... To understand the frustration of people who feel as though they they don't have a voice, they can't express themselves. They all they know is what they're experiencing, and and they are angry. I don't advocate for that ev- either. I've always been a peaceful protester. However, it's not like the same. It's kind of like cops. They're like, oh, not all cops are bad. There's some bad apples, but I think. What has happened, or at least from my experience in Fort Myers, Florida, I don't know if it's because this is a predominantly white area, but there was this, a lot of people were trying to merge rioters and protesters. So they equate taking a knee to, oh, you must hate America. Mm -hmm. And those are the conversations that I'm like, how did, can you break that down for me? Why is there this automatic association with people who protest with hating America instead of participating in what America the First Amendment, right? That's that's a really good question and a very difficult one to answer, I think. I, I know from my standpoint, um, you know, right out of high school, I went in the Army. And I, I served our country for three years. Then I went into law enforcement and I served our community. Um, you know, there was an evolution during that period of time. I didn't always think the way I think now. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you're young. As you're growing, you're learning, and you're forming opinions and attitudes and everything else. Right. And I was fortunate enough, I think, that I let the positive people influence me versus the negative. 
So I, I have a very strong love for the United States, as, as a lot of people do, mm -hmm. and, and, and a lot of respect for our flag, which symbolizes so much. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's hurtful to me to see people disrespect the flag or the country. But I do understand what you're saying. That but it, is it disrespect? Because, well, that's how, it, that's how I see it. I, that's how I view it through my lenses. And I understand that I can't see things through your lenses. And that's why we have yeah. these conversations. Yeah. I wanted to hear your take on that from there. So, you know, thinking about the Colin Kaepernick yeah. component, you know, you didn't like that it was interrupting football. But that yeah. changed. Yeah. But no, what was, did you think about that afterwards? It was it was just a shock to the system. And it was sort of like the record players. You know, somebody picks the needle up like, right. and it's like, wait a minute. And then you, it, it takes a, a little while for your mind to just adjust and wrap around this new thing, this new organism. And then you embrace it once you realize what it's what it's all accomplishing, about. actually. So it, it had, did bring awareness. Absolutely. It played its role. And people ask me all the time, well, do you regret supporting black i was like why would i regret a slogan black lives matter well the website said you know how many of us have never been to that website don't care to go to the website and i think people do understand that there's a difference in the concept versus an organization versus founders like people all over the world were saying black lives matter right they were marching they were protesting some people were rioting and those some of those people don't care about black lives at all so they just have whatever they they take an opera they use opportunities to display what they want to display anyway and they can do it in the name of this that or whatever however yeah the the movement i think it got the attention but i i even even the spinoffs like blue lives matter like you gotta be hot if you got all these spinoffs. There's like this matters and this matters and this matters because there's a spinoff from the original concept. But we do wanna see people say, I can understand what you mean. Like exactly what you just said. That's the frustrating part is when there's this automatic dismissal. Yeah, oh, you could mean this. And, and I, I was one who early on said, Black Lives Matter is not saying other lives don't matter. Exactly. It's, just, it's it, I liken it to if I go to an event for breast cancer. Absolutely. And I'm supporting breast cancer because probably I know someone affected. I'm not saying other cancers. What don't about brain matter, cancer? Right? right. Absolutely. I'm not saying. I'm just saying my focus right now. And, and so I understand that there was a need to focus. And people got more caught up in Black Lives Matter, the slogan or the website or the organization than they did police brutality. So talk to us about police brutality. Last night you mentioned something interesting at the Tyree Nichols visual we had. Southwest I Florida. I said something interesting? Yeah, yeah, you said something Was it recorded? <laughs> Listen, but you said, and I was, I was shocked because you said that's one of the reasons you got out of law enforcement. You didn't cite police brutality. However, you said there were some things going on in police departments that you did not like. So did you witness anything similar to, did you ever feel, because we all have a past, we all have, did you ever feel like you were among people where it's like something isn't right? We automatically treat others differently. Or when we see black men, a group of black men, our, our awareness goes up, our antenna goes up. Did you ever have those instances when so, you were policing? So, you know, there's so much emphasis on keeping the community safe. 
And, and in that culture of doing that, you tend to categorize people as, okay, that is potential. Good, bad, yeah. they look like Great. they're up to no good. This so group looks, yeah. I, I can tell you, I do not recall um, anybody brutalizing anybody in the department except one time that I saw, mm -hmm. okay? There were all those allegations stories. and investigations, but I only saw it one time, and it was in the holding cell, and it was a, a white guy, mm -hmm. and he was drunk and belligerent and nasty, and uh, it was the old police station, and the guy was kicking on the door, and so, you know, one of the things you do is you take their shoes off. Mm -hmm. They won't kick the door right. because it hurts now, mm -hmm. right? right? But anyway, the, this other officer who did not last long, he says, well, we, we should handcuff him and leg shackle him. Just So we go in there and we got him pinned against the wall. He puts the handcuffs on. I've got the leg shackles. And when that second shackle clicks, I hear a thud and the guy falls to the ground. Mm -hmm. Now, I did not see anything happen, but we all can figure out probably what happened. Right. And so I pulled that officer aside and I told him, I says, look, if this guy files a complaint, don't you expect me to risk to uh, jeopardize my career because of your stupidity? So, furthermore, if you ever do something like that in front of me again, you can count on me being the one filing the complaint. So, speaking of that, how do you feel about the law? Is it a, a part of the George Floyd, George Floyd Policing Act where it says that they're going to require that? If you see a fellow police officer uh, committing an act, you have to say something. It is a requirement. Like, see something, say something. Yeah. Is that a clause in there, Cindy? I mean, that that never made it out of Congress. Mm. Right. So it passed right. the House, but it never passed the Senate. But, but my question is, do you support that? We in Fort Myers, the Fort Myers Police, police Department has a policy, duty to intervene. Mm -hmm. So if you stand by and you let another officer do something wrong and you don't stop it and you chilling now here's the question did that come as part of the more recent reforms post the free report or was that something that had been in place longer than that that was post free but pre-floyd okay so hmm. do you guys know about the free report you, nope. you were so, out of town Let so my brother <laughs> yeah and and my brother is like what are y'all talking about but it's this, learning i'm yeah. a student it's, today. yeah it's free, F-R-E-E-H, -E -E not free as in it didn't cost anything. -E -E no, it cost a lot of money, let's be clear. F-R-E-E-H, so the free report was a collection of the city, it let, see, I don't really know, but okay, the city hired paid. an outside agency yeah. to Former investigate. Louis Free was the director of the FBI at one time. When he left there, he started a group called the Free Group. The city paid, I believe it was $150,000 for the free group to come in and do an investigation. Mm -hmm. I was against it, not because I didn't want to see an investigation. I thought we should have called on the Department of Justice hmm. to do the investigation. What would have been a difference? Which would have been free, F-R-E-E. <laughs> okay. okay. The difference is, is that the free group being a private group is not beholden to the law necessarily. So the, the Department I can understand of how the free group would give a more accurate report than the Department of Justice. It's less uh, the accurate. other way around. It's the other way around. Oh, it's like because usually when you have to pay for something, no. that's some specialized no, 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 no. You're treatment paying for the, the information that you want. 
Mm-hmm. So the Department of Justice would go in and say, okay, we're investigating. They're not going to tell us what we want to hear. Right. They're not going to They're going to tell us what we need to know. Right. Mm-hmm. And whether or not any civil rights infractions happened or something like that. Now, theoretically, the free report would do the same thing, but it doesn't have the teeth in the same way that the Department of Justice Yeah, because the Department of Justice, if they came in and they found serious wrongdoing, they they could take over the department and say, we're running the department yeah. until we get this straightened out. Interesting. And, or they could see. say, you've got this amount of time to correct this. Okay. okay and we don't I care see. how much it costs you to make these changes. Right. You need to make them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so there were several things that came out of the free report. Part of it, a part of it was redacted and then just released in the fall of 2022. That had to do with the relationship between some officers and uh, drug dealers and drug traffickers, and those people faced consequences. But from my perspective, as a policy wonk, some of the most interesting things that came out of the free report had to do with investment in leadership and retirement. Okay. It's a super wonky thing, right? There had been some other issues of racism, both internal to the department and external with the community. But the biggest issue that they had talked about was how there was a buyout, a retirement buyout uh, to save money, right? So all these officers that had had a lot of experience um they said okay you guys are making too much money what we're gonna we're gonna buy you out on your retirement and then we're gonna take these younger officers and kind of promote them up but what had happened is they did this all at the same time and it left a leadership vacuum it was too good of a buyout <laughs> that everybody jumped on everybody it. took it all right 40 oh. some people and and so here's the financial implications of that and i'm just going to these figures are not necessarily true figures, but you have a senior officer, a top officer making $50,000 a year. And you say, well, we get him or her to leave and we replace them with a $35,000 a year officer, $15,000 a year savings. Hmm. But you also lose the experience. You lose the experience. Here's the other thing. Here's the financial implication that they don't like to talk about is that $50,000 a year officer is paying $5,000 a year, 10% into the retirement fund. Mm. So now that new officer is only paying $3,500. So there's a $1,500 difference in what's going into the retirement. Definitely. And wait, it gets better. And this officer. Think about my who, retirement account. Yeah, this officer who's now no longer paying into it is now taking money out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it was. And the, the problem then within the department, according to the free report, was then you had major cultural problems. So that's when some of these illicit actions start happening. That's where some of the internal racism was happening. That's where some of the, the community well, that happened. stuff. That, that has been... That was before? In, okay. in, in, let me tell you, in, in most agencies of any size, that there's a percentage of that happening, sure. even, even before all this. And... It's, it's a hard culture to break. And, and we saw the first real break is when we named the first African-American police chief. Yeah, right. yeah the no, free report no, said it was chief calling Diggs. it. Not Chief Diggs. Oh, Chief Hart. Hart. Larry Hart. Larry Hart. Larry Hart. Right. Forgot about Hart. We remember Larry Hart. From, yeah. We were kids then. And Larry grew up in the department. Is it true the free report said that they were calling Chief Diggs the N-word? 
I, I don't I recall don't the remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember that coming out. That could have been, and it was, I mean. The police was, people in the police department. Oh, no, no, no. The free report was before anyway. Diggs came in. Yes, yeah. It was before Diggs was hired. Right. So they must have been talking about the other the, police chief. It was uh, Baker was the police chief. Right, right, but they wouldn't have been calling him. No, that. they wouldn't have been. He was white. You sure? Yeah. No. So white no. people get called in words. Well, and, and keep it real. I, they do. I so it, that was prior to all of that. There was other stuff that was going on. So I think it was there were some community incidents and some internal, and it had to do with hiring practices and things mm-hmm. like that. But the, the 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 big deal, and for me, I was like, well, we need to think. We need to not be so austere with our finances, especially at the local level. That was my that was my takeaway. Is like, don't just take the the cheapest road. Like, think about what it's going to mean, because what it meant is that we had several years where the police department was kind of limping along because they cut out all of their leadership to save a dollar. And that was, you know, that for me, that was my little wonky piece on it. There was other little juicy tidbits in there. But again, it was. um, We should do a whole juice podcast on just the free report, because I know that part was in some way. We'll have to go and corroborate what. Yeah, I'll have to. Yeah. We have to do that. But speaking of, uh, you brought something up when you mentioned the the display downtown. So next to McCullum Hall, that beautiful mural, are you responsible for that? If you like it, yes. Yes, we love it. <laughs> no. I thought you were going to say that's the thing you're most proud of uh, because that no, thing I, is nice. That is something I'm proud of. I didn't personally, individually. We know but- you didn't paint it. No, I mean, even make the decision. <laughs> yeah. It was a collective effort on the part of the, the CRA and the, the board. Okay, okay. Lady, I believe, was the ones that were... They um, coordinated the artists. Coordinated the yeah. artists. Mm. CRA pretty much paid for Now, if you look downtown around the basin, there's 53, I think, murals that will be put up. Really? About the history of Fort Myers. And one of them is is Nelson Tillis. Mm-hmm. Do you know who he is? Mr. Tillis, yes. I've heard stories of Mr. The Tillis. The first black that settler. That was a settler. The yes. first black settler. My yes. cousin, Jared Eady, shout out to Jared. Yeah. He and, taught me that. And In fact, uh, believe it or not, I believe he was married to a white woman. Wow. Back then, yeah. So speaking of that, you ever dated a black girl? Uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. Tell us about that. Uh, I, <laughs> okay, don't get shot. <laughs> Don't get shy now. I was in the army. Okay. I, I was in military police school. Okay. And, and we went on them one day and um, just one day. They just didn't, didn't okay. Care. Didn't hit it off. That's what's up. But, Thank you for sharing that. But though. you know, actually, I I also dated a black girl when I was in Panama. Really? Okay. Look at you. Well, with all this stuff, if you do all this stuff for the black community, I'm telling the sister's going to be after you. I love your wife. Shout out to your wife. No disrespect. But she's going to have to be careful because the sister's going to be after you with these murals and stuff going up and black empowerment and black beauty. Because the first time they hear about black, it shouldn't be with no foolishness, like, you know, crime and stuff like that. You know, we got to celebrate the beauty. So, you know, I, I, I came here in the late 70s. Okay. Started with the police department in 1979. Where'd you, where'd you come from? Bridgeport, Connecticut. Connecticut. Okay. Um, so I didn't come here for the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. I came here for opportunity. Okay. All right. And one of the first things I noticed was it, it was almost like two cities. Mm-hmm. Actually, almost like three cities because um, half of Dunbar had not been annexed into the city. 
So half of it was city and half was county. Mm-hmm. And and so the city part looked much different than the west side of the city, but the county part even looked worse than the city part. And so we pushed hard to annex. So you felt the tale of two cities. You explain this. So you asked me to be a part of the diversity task force. Well, it was the unity Unity task Task force. Force, And that was one of the things that you said that you felt like it was two different cities. Do you still feel there's like a black Fort Myers and a white Fort? I kind of feel that way. There there is, but I don't think it's as negative as it was years ago. Yeah, I don't think so either. Like, it doesn't feel intentional. I will say that. Right. It feels like we do have to work harder to try to get people to make and mingle when naturally you just do what's along your path. You stay who you close to your family members. You're close to whomever. Right. Um, I look at New York City, Chinatown. Totally different. Yeah, Spanish there's Harlem, totally. That's a totally Little different. Italy, all these neighborhoods, and and it's not. They don't say you have to live in that neighborhood and you can't live in that right. neighborhood, but people choose to. Right. So, I, one of my goals. In, if, if this is the only thing I accomplish, which, to be honest, I think I've accomplished a lot so far anyway, but is to get that transition from downtown to Dunbar on Martin Luther King, to get that to the point where it's not that hard transition where you know you are leaving one part of town. That is true. And, and I think when we get McCollum Hall done, and some other things going on. If we like develop the, the news press site. Clemente Park, the African-American Museum, the, the Cultural the Center. The Cultural, cultural Center. Center. When we so, get that. And, and that's you, true. Every developer I talk to, by the way, I mention that Cultural Center and say, I hope you can be a part of making this happen. Right. Every. That's true because they say every MLK Boulevard in like the, the U.S. is trash that's like why does it like it's a cultural thing like it seems like every mlk boulevard which i know it's not every single one but for the most part they look run down they look dirt is disgusting the businesses are suffering on those streets so that's great that that's one of your goals because i can i think that will that whole corridor by the way not not just not just the street and think about this veronica shoemaker boulevard that has brought the Dunbar community and the white community, for lack of a better way to mm-hmm, put it, mm-hmm. closer. You think so? Oh, yes. That's yes. The southern part of the road is called Plantation. Yeah, well, that's outside the city. That's true. That is outside that's the city. That's uncomfortable. Who do we talk to about that? Yeah. The county? county? Commissioners. We got to get them on yeah. here. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> look at the, it, there is a direct connection with that thoroughfare. And I think that's a good thing yeah. as that develops, it's it's going to close that gap more. We need a soul food restaurant downtown, so too. Maybe that'll do it. There's a couple things that I wanted to point out here just so everybody knows. Not everybody's necessarily going to be listening to this from Fort Myers, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Dunbar is the historically black we gotta. area of Fort Myers. Right. It was formerly known as Safety Hill. It was the segregated part of town, the only place in Fort Myers right. where black families were allowed to live. And my, my grandma used to tell me about Safety Hill. She said, white folk want this area because it's higher ground. When it rains and when we have storms, Safety Hill was the area that was that had the least amount it of was flooding. Dry, yeah. yeah. So let me let me tell you a story. This goes back to see I interrupted you. I'm sorry. It's Go. fine. No, totally. I love <laughs> to hear stories. This, this goes back to early '80s, and it's a Saturday afternoon. 
and I am working the desk at the police department. And this elderly black man comes in with some papers, and he's concerned that he hadn't gotten his tax bill. And he was afraid he would lose his property. Mm -hmm. And so he showed me the papers where he bought the property. Mm -hmm. And it was addressed, his name, comma, colored, the address, Safety Hill, mm. Fort Myers. Wow. And, and I was like just... I wonder if we can find those documents. I'm sure you I can. have a copy of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Safety yeah. Hill. So yeah. the other thing, so Fort Myers is part of that, um, that Safety Hill component. And... Um, the McCollum Hall that you mentioned, right, is also, it's an area under redevelopment. It had been the uh, kind of strip mall. It was the downtown, the, black the downtown of Dunbar. For the black community, right. It was where black folks were allowed to shop. It was black owners in that area. Mm -hmm. Now, McCollum Hall went into disrepair after the, it, the area desegregated and the, the people who are living in Safety Hill then were welcomed or relatively welcomed into the other shopping districts. And so it ended up kind of decimating the economic base mm. in- I was just gonna say that. I, yep. I, I, Mr. Lee Ford told me that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. I mean, that's what caused downtown Dunbar to go away. Right. Is because people in Dunbar felt so now they could shop. Well, they anywhere. could shop at the the places they saw as higher quality as mm. well. But to this day, Dunbar ends up being an area of concern for folks in the town because you still have incredibly high rates of poverty. There are longitudinal studies that demonstrate that women who were born into the Dunbar area, into those zip codes, going mm -hmm. all the way back to 1980, over 50% of them become teen moms. Mm. And 87% of the women born in those zip codes who become teen moms are impoverished. Wow. We also have within those zip codes very little mobility. That equates to social mobility. So the vast majority percent, almost 90% of the people who were born in those zip codes never leave. And it's a food desert too, right? For it's in a, a lot desert. of parts of it. Yeah. And so, so that's that's part of the problem. So yeah. there's continuation of issues that happen that are that are really starkly different. And so when people are talking about two sides to Fort Myers, they're mm -hmm. usually talking about that area that is largely black. And very and that, even that's changing street. too for unfortunate well, that's reasons. That's yeah. But then the McGregor side. So if you go across the street, essentially, you go back across those train tracks. You go from where MLK turns into McGregor. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking about very high socioeconomic status, mm -hmm. very low rates of of teen Crime pregnancies, too. higher rates of education because those are higher valued properties, they're on the river, things like that. So it is very much by the stats, two different Fort Myers. Right. So if I could so add- part of the I, pressure. You know, I lived over in that area for 20 some years, now I'm living downtown. When I first moved into our house and I was still working at the police department, I'd come down Cortez. And what would I see in the morning was primarily white children. Okay. Now we sold in June. Now, when you drive down Cortez, you see diversity, mm, and that's it's 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 really encouraging to see that. And Cortez is where Fort Myers High School right. is, yeah. and he you had worked there. So here's here's a fun fact. Here's a question, and I'll ask this to everybody. Mm -hmm. What year did Lee County Public Schools formerly formerly desegregate? I know this because my mother talked so. about it. So it must have been 1970. I think it was 72. 
No. 68? 80? No. Not that So you're talking about two different things. So when they were integrated was in the 70s, okay? But the formal desegregation in terms of being compliant with the federal policy right. wasn't until 1995. No. Yes. And then the, the Lee County School District was under federal guidance Yikes. for desegregation until 2005. That's why we still have this busing situation, because busing was one of the options that was put forth by the Department of Education to overcome that. Hmm. And that is way that that desegregation policy allowed Lee County School District to access the Title I funds for underperforming and and the busing, schools. the busing was probably not a good thing. Oh, it's been a it's a been a mess. Yeah. But it was there were several things that's the, the specials or the other things. So like that's why we have the IB school and the art mm -hmm. schools yeah. because um, the concept being that if there's a school that's in an impoverished neighborhood, it's less likely to have investment. And so if we have something special there, if it's right. an art school, right, if it's, it's something special, attractive to the neighborhood, it'll be attractive. Let's talk about it. Franklin Park Elementary School. Shout That's out to I Franklin went. Park. They're tearing it down and putting up a brand new school. Yeah. And that's all part of that Choice Neighborhood Initiative. With uh, We've got a $30 million grant from HUD. Mm -hmm. uh, and eventually it's going to be a $300 million investment. Wow. That's going to include a grocery store at Ford and Edison. Somebody told me that. That's, that's, nice. that's wonderful. South Ford Village is going to be torn down. It's going to become mixed income. Yeah. What's up with Toll Gardens? Oh, we wanted to talk about affordable housing, mm -hmm. and look, we almost out of time. I just segued into it. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. So Toll Gardens, I wanted to ask about, or what was, because Toll Gardens was the thing that everybody was talking about. It was going to be the first of many low-income housing opportunities. Well, I, I don't think it's actually low-income. Half of Not it. Not low-income, yeah. mixed-income. Yeah. Half of it has to be. Low-income. Uh, less than market rate. Mm -hmm. okay. That's a better term. Uh, and so what the city invested in Tolls Garden is we gave them the land. Mm -hmm. We invested a million dollars into clearing the land. We split the cost of the, the lift station with them. And we committed to a $10,000 down payment assistant for assistance for half of the units. Mm -hmm. 71 units because it's 140 units. Okay. 71 of them are going to have down payment assistance from the city. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is encouraging. I mean, I, like she said, I just got back from Atlanta. I've lived in Atlanta for 11 years. Shout out to ATL. And everybody who's listening or may hear this that's thinking about moving to Fort Myers because we're growing oh. extremely fast. Yeah. One of the fastest growing cities in the U.S. Are very encouraging to hear for people across the country, across the world, thinking about yeah. coming down here. All of these new developments is very encouraging for yeah, people we to need say, it. well, yeah, that's, you know, that's something that I can get in there. Sure. Fort Myers short. is not what it used to be. No. People like, you from Fort Myers? Now it's like, yes, I'm yeah. from Fort so, Myers. So, and that's, before I say, talk about the other three housing things that are going on, is that's one of the things that, that really bothers me is that we have too many people who still refuse that change has happened. Mm -hmm. Progress has been made. But what's even more scary is that we have a lot of people who refuse to acknowledge there's a lot more change to occur. Right. So the other thing we've done is we finally, and I'm, I don't want to take credit, but I push hard. For years, they talked about an affordable housing trust fund. When I got into office, I told the city attorney, get it done. Mm -hmm. Get that ordinance written. 
So now we put $1.5 million into the trust fund. Anytime we sell city property, 10, 2% of the sale, I believe it's 2%, goes into goes the in. trust fund. So we just sold a piece of property, $180,000 goes into that trust wow. fund. And 65% of the funds have to be used for people less than 80% area medium income AMI. Mm -hmm. And then the rest could be used for that 80 to 140, that workforce. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing we're doing is working with developers as they put up these multifamily units. We're trying to get it to where 10% will be under market value. Mm -hmm. So it's more affordable. And then the third thing is the infill, infill lots we have, we are going to build a house. We were talking about this before. We're going to build a house, the city, mm. and sell it at cost. And I mean the cost of the construction, not the cost of the land. Mm -hmm. The land is a donation by the city. Um, and again, the whole goal is to make it affordable. And we're going to set it up where you can't come in and buy it. And once you buy that house at probably 200000 you're going to have almost an instant 60000 75000 equity mm -hmm. because of the true value of the home. So we're, we're going to make it where you can't move in and just turn around and sell it. Right, yeah. right. Okay. And, and we're going to work hard to make sure we keep it in the inventory of affordable homes. <clears throat> and here's the beauty of it. We're talking about a, con a concrete block construction, CBS, two-car garage, nice elevation, about 1,700 square feet, not using contractor-grade materials inside, mm -hmm. using above contractor-grade. We wanted it to be a house that brings up the value of every other house in the neighborhood. It's the best house in, on the street. Mm -hmm. And it's a house that if you're one of the people who get to buy it, you have pride in it because it is a nice house mm -hmm. inside and out. And out. And to give you an example of a house we're going to try and put up, if you go to Washington just off of Palm Beach, there's a, a lady who lives there, Nancy Jackson, She's disabled. Mm -hmm. Her house, 98 years old. Builders Care is a program through the Lee Building Industry Association where they go to these uh, homes that are in disrepair or, or need ADA uh, right. upgrades. They went to Miss Jackson's home to, to assess it, to make it more accessible to her. And the builder says, can't do it. We got to tear it down and build her a new house. So it's currently under construction. Mm, okay. And if you get a chance, I encourage you, go by there, look at that house, look at what it's going to do for the neighborhood, mm. what it's going to do for Miss Jackson more than anything. Right, right. That is the type of house. It's the house you could pick up. Model house. It, you could put it in almost any neighborhood in Lee County and it would fit in. Wow. All right. That's what our goal is. Okay. So we're we're... We're serious well, shout about out to the city of Fort Myers. Shout out to, uh, I mean, I love my hometown, but I am now, I am ever more proud of the city of Fort Myers, its people. Um, I love it. But we are about to wrap up here very shortly. Uh, but at, before we wrap up, May, I want you to tell us who are your, let's say, your top three favorite people in Southwest Florida. That is very difficult to do. <laughs> no, nah, you got to only do no, three. No, it is. I'm going to give you my you three. Want. My okay. three is like, definitely my mom always will be in that position. Queen Diva, shout out to Darlene. Uh, I 
love Lee Pitts. I didn't always like Lee Pitts, but I love Lee Pitts. That's why he the only Lee we acknowledge. He has probably not even heard of this podcast, has he? We'll send it to him. Yeah, we got to send it to him. And then the next person in Southwest Florida that I think I love the most, I will go ahead and say um, Judge Starnes. Hugh Starnes. He's just so cute. He looks, he's just so cute. Judge Hugh Starnes. I love him and his personality. So now that gave you enough time okay. to think. And there, look, I've, I've got, I can't tell you how many names are floating around in my head. Pastor Ford's one. Okay. Dr. Phil is one. Okay. Okay. I mean, really, I, I, I think those guys are great. But if you had to force me into narrowing it down, mm-hmm. it would be actually two people in a couple. Okay. Okay. And the first one, I have to say my wife. For sure. Like, why wouldn't you say your wife? She I'm, is gorgeous, by the way. Well, you know she what? Is. She She has been a rock in my life for, we celebrate in April 36 years. What? And, and she gave me a beautiful, smart, very, just very lovable daughter. A, a, a daughter who really respects people. But she doesn't live here. No, no. She lives on the other coast. Okay. So if if I really had to pull somebody right off the top of my head, it, it might be Miss Phyllis Calloway. Okay. She's so fly. I like Miss Phyllis. Yeah. And she fly. You know what? I have had so many great conversations with Phyllis. Okay. We don't always see eye to eye. Um, but you, and, then, and then the third one would be a couple, and that is Cal and Genevieve Bruno. Okay. I don't think I know. They give so much. They own a restaurant in downtown called Bruno's of Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Okay. They are such giving people. Wow. They are very supportive. But with that being said, I could start. You would be on that list. I was ho- I was not. expecting no, you-, you to say, see, that was a trick question, and you failed because I was expecting. I, I was expecting to be right after your wife, actually. No, you wouldn't be in the top three. But if, if I had I a, said you wouldn't be in the top three. But, but if I had to create a list, you, you would be on there because I respect your approach to things. Okay. Again, we don't always see eye to eye. Right. We don't always agree. But we've always been able to... Agree to disagree. Maintain agreeably. a respectful relationship. Yes. That's ultimately what it boils down to. Okay. Yeah, and and I and I do respect that. But I I could I you could go, go on, on and on. Yes. There, now I, with three minutes left, who's three of the people you can't stand in Southwest Florida? You got to be brave, Mayor. <laughs> Who? We got three minutes left. I'm trying to get you in trouble. I'll do this. I'm gonna bail you out. I'll give my three people. Okay. I'll say my fiance. All right, I'll say Chantel. Shout out Chantel to Chad. On Shout out yep, to I'm Chad. getting married in a couple weeks. So, congratulations. The beautiful Addison I love them together. Ford Winter Estate. So, um, that's going to be a, a Fort Myers yes. behind wedding. And I we're rolling in on Model episode. T's, guys. It's going to be so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, then I'll just go with my kids. They'll be like the three. They're like together. Yeah, they're okay, together. okay, okay. Those okay. are my favorite. We get back to that question, but Chucky, who is, who's your top three people in Southwest Florida? Uh, my two closest friends, I would say, uh, Dimitri. Okay. And my cousin slash best friend, Broderick. And then uh, family. Your mom. It's like, like like you group them all. Like I can't separate. Right, exactly. It's like the whole game. You know, those two have been very supportive, but uh, family in general, like there's a huge group of people there that 
mom definitely yeah tell for sure that, um, for sure yeah that family auntie, unit cousin is, uncles everybody they show love and that's it's like the, it's like the main it. thing that's it's like the main thing that's worth it at the end of the mm -hmm. day is family yeah so well thank you so I, uh, i'll answer that question no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you you may or may not believe this or you may or may not be surprised but i try very hard not to dislike people okay i really do I just like to say I like some more than others. I know but that city manager probably on the top three list. <laughs> the one that you cut. <laughs> no, 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 because it wasn't personal. But if, if I really had to say the person I dislike the most would be myself. Oh. Hi, here you go trying no, to be here. No, 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 because I am my biggest critic. Of course, and, of course. And everything I say, everything I do, I just. So wait, when is your birthday again? Are you a Scorpio? Taurus. Oh, you're a Taurus. Yeah. Perfectionism. That that makes come to, sense. Come to therapy, and I can work. Yeah. See? <laughs> I mean, I just I'm, I want to please everybody, and I know I can. That's Taurus too. People yeah, please. I can't. I know I can't do it, and and so some days, when if I disappoint somebody, it I'm, eats I'm away at hard. you. It, yes. I do when. You, you know, asking the city manager to leave, that was not something I took lightly. Mm. And I struggled, and, and, and to this day, I, I still hope it. I did it right. You know, I, I, I think I was a true gentleman about how I handled it. Mm. Um, but Okay, I'm glad you answered that question. That was honest. We gotta be honest with ourselves about, usually we dive more into mental health, uh, but that would have been a great segue, but we gotta have the mayor back on the Juice Fresh Talk podcast. This was a really good conversation. Thank you, Mayor Anderson. But usually Chucky leads us more into the mental health side so that we can become aware of ourselves. Uh, but you have something to say? I was just gonna say shout out with Chantel Rhodes. Oh, here. hey. And we had Mayor Kevin Anderson, Mayor Fort Myers. Shout out to my brother, Mr. Charlton Rose. Shout out to Cindy Banier. And you see we're in a different setting tonight. Shout out to show Grow Your Nonprofit, Strategic Planning, Executive Support, and Fundraising. And thank you all for joining us tonight. So we can I give back. a quick shout out? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes. So last year, <laughs> the first shout out is to the NFL. Last year. They gave Fort Myers High School a grant to redo their football the field. The football field. Somebody oh, said that. Yeah. And unfortunately, it required a match. Mm. And the gentleman or business that was going to match had to pull out after Ian. Mm. Oh. So my shout out is to Sanibel Captiva Bank, San Cap Bank, who stepped up. To match and, it. And $225,000. Oh, that's major. So Fort Myers High School yeah. will get their That's major. Yes. That's right. major. All yeah. right. Thank you so much. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you check out all the podcasts on offer at BigMouthMediaFL.com. Subscribe to this one. We have monthly. We have annual plans. And we have lots of other great podcasts. If you enjoyed this, too, you might also like a Democrat and a Republican walk into a bar that's biweekly. We film live at Ollie's in Cape Coral. And we have the same kind of spirited conversation and all kinds of other stuff out there yeah. to keep you informed, support independent media here in Florida, and go like, subscribe uh, to Big Mouth Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Everywhere, Big and Mouth Media. lay down that cash for us. Please, yeah, subscribe. I got to subscribe, too. You gotta I got to start. Okay, all right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.